episode is sponsored by High Point Market. High Point Market is the show in the design industry to see the most product for your projects and take in new trends. When you say you're going to market, people know you mean High Point. As West Coast designers, High Point is worth traveling to for the design inspiration alone. And you don't want to miss their world-class panels, tours, and unlimited educational and networking opportunities. Spring Market is April 13th through the 17th. So start planning your trip now using the official Market app and their free travel concierge services. You can get your free Market Pass by pre-registering before April 10th. To learn more and register, visit highpointmarket.org slash register H-Y-D-C. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? It's February. We're live. New, new month, same you. <laughs> oh God, we say it every time. I know, but like we're kind of edging into our fourth year of doing this too, which is like apropos, I think, for our theme today. But also, how? Like well, actually, how? Most, yeah, because most of that we just blipped. You know, we had the, the time blink. traveled. Where, what is it in the Marvel universe where it was like the snap where everybody was gone for several years and then they came back? Literally don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay, but well, anyway, my, my pause, Marvel yeah. fans out there, the Marvel hotties will understand what I mean. Or those with probably children that are in that. Yeah, maybe. We haven't gone there yet. <laughs> the, snap. the last time I saw a movie like that was Spider-Man when Tobey Maguire was in it. So, jeez. I think. No, Black Panther. I saw that. I love that. I did love that movie. Anyway. Yeah, so we've been at this for a minute. We've learned a thing or two. We have, and I don't know. We've had some requests from newbies who are either either just new to the industry or students, which is one side of it, or people that have been working in the industry for a long time, but are like looking to jump into business ownership, which is, of course, like a whole ballpark of its own. You mean we can't um, do that during just this episode? We can't finish No, that and so we've had, requ- <laughs> we've had requests to do kind of this, what do I do episode? But what we've decided, we're going to try to make this helpful to everyone, whatever stage. And also maybe a little bit of Hot Young Designers Club podcast or just like us. Like we've, <laughs> I want to go back on the journey of where we started. Oh my God. The most humbling thing I ever do. Maybe it'll be funny. Yeah. The most humbling thing I ever do is think about the stuff I was doing before. It's when you look back on like your fashion sense when you're, you know, like a preteen and you're just like, I thought I was hot shit. And then I look at those photos. Now I go on TikTok and that's what they're wearing. So, But I didn't pull it off as cool as even some of them are pulling it off now. Like I still look like a complete doof. So I'm... I was singing, let's hear it for the girls, but let, let's hear it for the noobs. <laughs> because maybe we're all, and we're all noobs in different parts of our business too. There's still things that we're working through. I think that's probably the most surprising part of looking through questions is we realize that so many of us get really far, but still realize that there's stuff that you're like, how did I lose sight of 
something. Like, how did I get 10 years into my business and still think that I was doing this really great? And I think that's what's fascinating about running our businesses is that you you start to realize how you might lose sight of things. And it's always good to compare with others and talk to each other about how we're doing things. So maybe you're not new, but maybe you're just like, is this right? Am I still... Maybe we'll get a few of me too. Or like maybe there's a way, yeah. Maybe there's a way to just approach a part of your business in a new way that you've been kind of avoiding. Or we'll see. We'll see where we go. We don't know. Yeah. We never know where we're gonna go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a journey. So quick housekeeping. Yeah. It's okay, y'all. It's February at the end of the month. If you're listening to this real time, February 2024, we are gonna be hosting a panel at KBiz in Las Vegas. Yeah, this is feeling a little bit like making me a little bit nervous, but but I'm but doing fun. new things. I'm nervous, not oh my god, what am yeah, I doing? Yeah. Nervous? Yeah, okay. Well, more of two. We have to kind of keep things going in an entertaining way, which I know we can, but you know, I mean, I we're feel, noobs. We're noobs as panel hosts. I feel uniquely suited for that somehow. Yeah. Our, and well, what will also make it easier is the fact that the panel is called Lighten Up the Humorous Side of Design. And who better than yours truly yeah. in order to do that? Yeah. So that, that definitely, feel, yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving some sort of dissertation on economics or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that feels Sales culture. Yeah. More appropriate. No, it'll be fun. So if you are in KBiz, that's on. Thursday, February 29th. One o'clock in um, the South Hall. And we would love by, to see you. We have a nice panel. Oh, oh yeah. Panelists. We're joined by Kimberly Selden. I mean, you guys might have heard of her. Deneen Jackson will be with us from D. Nicole Design Studio and Stacey McCarthy from Stacey McCarthy Design. So we'll link their stuff in the show notes, but we'd love to see you at at KBiz if you're going to be there on that Thursday, February 29th. It'll be fantastic. And we'd love to... There's a little mix and mingle KBiz anniversary afterwards. So it feels like there's going to be a celebratory environment where we're probably... We're going to stick around and hopefully get to talk with some of the hotties that are in the audience. So we'd love if you're just like... Drink champagne. Come to the the panel. Stay for the champagne. We say it every single time and... We know you guys hear us because you always tell us, please come say hi, interrupt us. That's what we're there for. So don't, even if you're shy, like just do it. You do. Yeah. You totally do the, I don't want to interrupt. I just want to say hi. And I will let you interrupt. But you told us we should. Yes. Yes, I will. Permission. I mean it. Also, there's something cool about that. What if I'm trying to get like, you know, Someone like we're talking to some industry person, like, oh, look, they really it do. It happened have, in High Point. Like, we were I talking to that. a sponsor and was like, wow, could That's we right. pay this like full paid actor? Like a plan. Up? <laughs> <laughs> so you have our permission, hotties. We'd love to see you there. It'd be fantastic. Even <laughs> if it's just around KBiz in general, we're, we're not going to be there very long. So definitely come see us on Thursday. Okay. So on to the noobs. <laughs> said I guess, noobs. I guess we're really bad at doing this too. Let's just say up front, we have resources on our shop and a lot of them are, I mean, they're helpful for all designers at different stages of their business, but a lot of them are things we created because we couldn't find them. And 
if I had had these when I first started, it would have been a game changer. And we'll be touching on those a little bit. As well as our Patreon, like we have a couple of folks in there that recently told us that they're in the midst of planning their um, business launch and they're just right. like soaking up information and the hottie hangouts and stuff. Like, so there's a lot of just knowledge sharing in both of those places. So, yes, self promotion, but also like we really, really want to be helpful. So, yeah, I just think doing that. That's so, if anything, that's like sort of the supercharger of a lot of what we've done is we didn't necessarily jump in having a lot of network and people to help us get faster and better. And I know that you and I personally spent a lot of time designing a bunch of stuff, creating it from scratch when there could have been more resources available to <laughs> to us. Well, we both like were on the podcast. I mean, speaking of Kimberly Selden, I mean, I just soaked up so much information her and her guests were providing. I could not have done it without resources like that. So um, yeah, definitely glad you're here if you're listening. And should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. So I think I kind of wanted to, I went and just peeked back trying to look through my old stuff, like a question of what did we launch with? Like when you started... (laughs) Yeah. Put your little shingle out. Like, what did you have in your toolbox of like materials, accounting? <laughs> did you have marketing materials, a website? No, because that first year I started, I was taking on clients while I was still doing my design internship. I hadn't mm. even formally created Renstead Interiors as a filed state entity with articles of incorporate. I know. That's really I off brand. I did it just as me, like Sean Serha, like a, you know, a true soul. I'm the sole prop runner of something where they were, because these were friends of mine. Like yeah. my first clients were friends of mine who I knew and still they're in my life. They're in my life right now. So that's good that nobody's broken up with me, I guess, <laughs> as a result. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't start with a website. I, I had a letter of agreement that was very, Loose, but you know, covered the basics. I think I, I, I don't even, I don't even still have it because that's like multiple laptops ago, and there was no reason to save some of that stuff. But it was like the basics of I'm doing consulting work for you, and here's what you're going to pay. And then I just made it all up, just kind of building the plane as you were flying it. I was like creating invoices from a Word template at the beginning because I did not even have a sep. There was no separate bank account. There was no QuickBooks. It was just. This is what you're going to pay me. Okay, let's start. And I would track my time in those Word docs and then they would write me a check. That was it. Yeah, I came at it from having already owned a business and with a marketing background. So like, I came in strong with the marketing. That was the way that I felt more confident to even do it. So I did have a little bit of a website, I think. like, I definitely had my Instagram started. I definitely had a bank account. And I, in turn, I found an internship at a showroom. They're like a showroom slash kind of design. There's designers that work independently out of the showroom and run their own businesses, but they all purchase from it. So that was actually really helpful. Hmm. But because I was able to like model things and learn from them. But I got my first, very, very first client through that showroom because they like get leads. And everyone was like, 
I don't, I'm not doing this. Give it, see if the intern wants to, see if the 45 year old intern wants to do it. I mean, they just, it was like totally optional, but I'm like, okay, I'll just try it. I've never done anything before. So I'm like, I haven't even looked at this, but I opened up the original email proposal I sent her. (laughs) Oh my God, it was $500 flat rate. To do what? (sighs) Studio. So I have this little proposal I made. Looks like I made it in Word or something. So the scope of work was in-home consultation with measurements, inspiration board, colors and materials, a little digital design plan and a skilled floor plan and then a shopping list. So it was kind of e-design, but I did go to her house. Okay. All that for $500? Yeah. In 2018. Wow. January 2018. So that was six years ago today. So crazy. adjusted for inflation, you made a dollar an hour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Literally. And she was, of course, like so picky. Like, and her design style mm. was totally off of mine. It was like super glam, marble, light pinks, white, everything, like crystals. Um, oh, and 75% upon signing the contract, <laughs> she like, paid me like $350 and then I got $150 balance. Okay. I mean, at least you got something up front. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I kind of knew, I mean, I did know this was very much a low thing and I, but I had no experience. So I, and I think they get, she had given how much she wanted to spend. So I kind of backed into it and I'm just going to see what, throw myself into the lion's den. So that, but I will say every job I got from there, I upped my pricing like every single time. Okay. I can charge a little bit more. How many hours do you think you worked on that? I mean, realistically, I know you're kind I mean, of probably I didn't like guessing. get into like install or anything. Like I helped her order shit from like Wayfair. I don't know. Probably 20, 30. Okay. So either 20 bucks an hour-ish. It was... Yeah, and I'm like building yeah. all the materials and figuring shit out as the same... Same time. It's almost like a learning exercise that I, like a class project I made for me. Yeah, my- yeah. You got paid to do a fake customer in a portfolio class kind of thing, basically, is make a mood board. Okay, let me set up my mood board. Oh, okay, let me set up my presentation PDF. But from that, like, this isn't my next project, but I did find another proposal from April of that same year. And I that's when I started Dubsado. So I started Dubsado pretty quick, pretty quickly. To try to up my professionalism, but this one from April was sixty five dollars an hour, oh. and I charged a flat rate for the scope of ten fifty. So I doubled my pricing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that was for like kitchen. That was like like kitchen styling, like kind of adding lighting and some. But actually, though, I did see. Actually, I felt kind of proud of myself. I did a full living room and I did use trade sources. Oh, that's early. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that fast. And I will say it's because I had relationships with that showroom and those designers there yeah. that were like, you know, my aunties like helping me navigate it. Uh, here's how you put your pricing together. Here's what this should be. Shout out Victoria. 
She like took me to market early on. Yeah, the price, like they helped me yeah, figure it all out. And also I didn't have to do the purchasing myself. So it went through them. I think I had the client pay the showroom and basically mm. I would get cut like a commission, but I could, I could pick my pricing. So I basically told them what to charge the client. And then there was just, I got a percentage of the difference. That's smart. Yeah. So it definitely was like really helpful training wheels. And then like slowly I started realizing like, oh wait, if I open these accounts directly, like then I get all the percentage of the profit. I just have a lot more to manage for that. But I started doing it. When did you all... did I know you didn't keep charging flat rates. So there must have been a point where you were like, I have to move over to hourly. I've charged flat rate a lot most of the time, I think. When it was when it had a complete scope of work, I would I've almost always done it. But there was a whole span of years on the show, literally, like <laughs> the last like couple years where you were doing hourly for a lot. Like it's recorded. Gaslighting myself? Yes. <laughs> like for sure. Not if it was a f- completed room project though. I maybe that was more like designer on call kind of stuff. I don't think so. I'm not going to go back and listen to a hundred episodes to figure Let's out how many the there tapes. were. Like yeah. DJ, play that tra- receipts, screenshots, proof, <laughs> everything. No, that's <laughs> I've always I was always an hourly baby because that was just like I was so afraid of not knowing, and also I am still the way where I keep track of all the time, and I feel like. Especially for me coming in, I had no idea how long stuff would take. And my first client, I charged $25 an hour. She was, this was a friend of mine. She was like, bought a place, bought, bought her own like first home and needed help furnishing it and really didn't really know what would go with what, where to invest her money. Like she had always sort of just been in that sort of apartment thrift it secondhand Ikea situation. And she knew she wanted like her big girl place. And so what was fun about that is it was mostly like e-design or design only type of work. Like I wasn't buying anything because one, I was still in that time, I was finishing my senior year of design school and in an internship at the same time. Like I was doing all the things and did not knew that I would not have time to do all that stuff. Mm, There's so So, much to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, but one nice thing is that because I had been I was in design school, I had already developed documents to be able to use for mood boards or presentations and you know, I'm not saying they were great. Like I look back on old student work and I'm just like, god, get it together. Like he was not a graphic designer. That's for sure. That version of myself. But the stuff was good. I had something to start with. Yeah, yeah, and most clients Care less she didn't. than we do. No. And she, it was good because I was able to document and had some spreadsheets where I could fill out like spec details and have it be more organized for her. I was able to do scaled floor plans because I already had, I had my student license of CAD. So I still had all of the, I had tools, but I just didn't necessarily have business process down other than the letter of agreement. I charged zero retainer, but I billed. I built hourly like every other, every two weeks, you know, like just tried to keep up with the progress, even though some of them would be short. But something that was weird is we just kind of kept trickling into every room. It was like, oh, let's work on this room. Oh, I need to get us something over here because I have guests visiting. And then, oh, now I need this. And it start, it was like one of those projects that did keep 
going. And I think I was like halfway through just biting my nails, trying to think about how do I ask her to explain to me what everything is in the scope of this work so I know when I'm done or am I close to making progress or not? If you keep moving the target, you know? Yeah, were you like wanting to be done? Well, yeah, because I was also, again, trying to finish senior year classes, which are like the most intense levels. So I thought, oh, I'm going to sign up. We're going to do like her living room, her dining room. And then she had the little kind of like office slash den open flex space. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. The common areas will get... And then it just kept going into the window treatments in the bedroom, then the bench in the bedroom, then a chair in the bedroom, then the guest bedroom because family was coming in it. I don't say this in a mean way, but it was just like, I didn't realize I was signing up for literally your whole house. That was one of those things where it was like, right. I'm making some money, but not really a lot of money. And I'm also like doing a lot of work along the way. And why did it work? Probably because she was spending money slowly over time. But I almost worked on that until, I don't know, like the end of 2017. Because I started Renstead Interiors. I like finally formed it in December of 2017. And I was working with her throughout that whole year, just trying to get stuff done. It did not need to be a nine-month project. It was just like, girl, I can't be your own little shopper and specifier anymore. Yeah, you anymore. weren't controlling like, She was definitely or... driving the process. Like, now I want to buy a this. Will this go with it? And now you look back and you're like, the answer should have been, get it all done, give the plan, pass it off, bye-bye. Here you go. Yeah, I'm looking. So I started my Acuity account April 2018. Oh. So there must have been something about the that April. I had a couple projects that turned into furnishing that I was like, okay, I want to get some... Get it together. Mm-hmm. And I, I also was learning so much about myself of like how my brain works, which I think is just imperative for every business. I mean, every person, but sure. every business owner, especially of what tools do I need to like kind of subsidize myself. <laughs> I did not like making appointments. I did not like it then. I still hate it. It's like such a barrier for me. And it's almost like a um, weird disability. (laughs) I hate it. And it's something I will avoid, avoid, avoid. And I just put in Acuity and Dubsado were my ways of circumventing me. Yeah. Because you're absorbed. You personally absorb the stress, pressure, and obligation. From other people. I do. And I, there's something about like I looking at my calendar and it just looks like a mess and full and I have to like shoehorn things in. And partly that's me overcommitting to stuff, of course. I admit that. But it's, and then also wanting to help people when they want the help. Mm-hmm. It's just too much emotional labor for me. Whereas like our friend Claire, like we laugh with her about this, like she, the the barrier of entry to create the calendar automation is bigger than for her to just zip in, schedule a meeting and zip out. Like it does not bother her. Yeah. Like she's happy so, to go back and forth a little bit with people on It's faster for her, her at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like the back and forth. Oh God. <laughs> I can't handle the... Okay, here's four days and and four four hour windows on. I'm like, nope. I need one day with one window. Yes oh, or God. no? Like, 
It's just brutal. Like so, when people are like, what's your schedule look like? I'm like, do you have a day you want to ask me about specifically, please? Because of course, like the first day. a doctor's appointment when they ask, I'm like, bitch, you don't want me to tell you. No, there's no days that look better when, than others. Whenever anyone start. asks me that, uh, my first response is, what is the earliest date you already are looking at having available? Because that's... Don't let me right. look at next week when you're like, we're booked out for a month. Oh no. God, I know. Why don't you tell me what week I have to look at and I'll go that far out and tell you. Totally. I didn't so have, yeah, I put those I didn't have any of that. Really. I, I started doing that in after 2019. You met me. Well, I, had a, I didn't have Dubsado until after I met you, but I did experiment with Acuity for a while in 2019. Mm. And then I got rid of it for a while because I was like, oh, I just am not making use of this enough. And I didn't quite have it worked into the process. So then I got rid of it again. And then when we met in Vegas at Vegas Market, you started talking about it again. So I signed back up for it again. And that's all documented on the show if you go way back to the early episodes. But I didn't have anything. I mean, my second project I brought on in October of 2017, that's when I bought my home. And we were literally on a trip in Savannah with friends. And one of my friends was closing on a home. And that was my first major home remodel, like down to the studs, floored, like just the whole house. And I charged them $40 an hour. And that was insane for the amount of work. I mean, from 25, okay. But I was still... I told them when I started, I said, I literally have no many have I no idea how many hours this will take because we don't even know what I knew enough about construction and remodeling to know that I didn't have enough information about what they were gonna do because they were still throwing around wild ideas about rebuilding the whole fireplace and then maybe adding on to the house when I first like we didn't even know what the scope was gonna be when I first got brought in. But I was like I want to learn. You guys are going to have to be cool with me learning. I don't, ha- I don't have the ability to tell you hours. You are probably going to have to jump in on stuff because, again, I was still finishing school. That was all that right. year. <laughs> like, I was like, you're going to have to jump in. I will do the most that I can. And then we, it turned out we had an awful contractor. So I ended up doing way more hours than anticipated to keep that project like on target, to keep them like they didn't know how to read drawings. They were truly like should not have been a contractor, to be honest. Like it took a lot of extra work, which was a valuable experience to learn in managing personalities and all that. But I was still sending those word invoices. I was still like may, I was sending out spec sheets and paint schedules based on what I did from like school templates that we had built. I mean, it was just like building it all as I, I mean, went. I'm sure I got the job done. We did. We what, got through it. What about like bookkeeping? I didn't get that till I formally set up Renstead because like I needed a bank account, so I set up my LLC in December of 2017, and that's once so I had my LLC. LLC. Yeah, when I went to my LLC, then I set up the bank account with the LLC documents. Then I had QuickBooks after that. QuickBooks just has a low barrier to entry, which is easy. And I was literally just doing hourly billing at the time. So it was easy to just use that. Because it was just service hours, not mm-hmm. product. I wasn't, I wasn't selling any product. I, so I made the mistake. So I guess the, this is what would we do differently? I think I started with. I can't remember the names of all of them. It wasn't. It might have actually been QuickBooks. 
But then I went into Ivy when that was what it was. And then they started changing <laughs> their platform. Yeah. I dumped out and I went into two different ones that I yeah. can't remember the name and I won't name them anyway that I did not like. And then finally got into Studio Designer. But I do not... So do not... <laughs> Do not don't do four with- to five different oh, no, don't accounting do softwares. Yeah. It was really messy. It's it was really confusing. It really messed me up a lot. Yeah. And when you even go just from, from like a tax, year, tax and yeah. bookkeeping perspective, it makes it really messy. You need like forensic accounting to fix it all. Like it's I do it's kind wild. of if I were to tell myself now and looking back and realizing I was selling furniture kind of early. I would definitely start with a bigger software like Studio Designer and find a good partner to help me use it. And there, which are, I need there. I think there's levels because Ivy got me through a lot a long time. Like I because it was paired with my QuickBooks, which was already established. It got me through a long time until it just didn't. There were too many things it didn't have or grow into. So this isn't like a poo-poo on House Pro or whatever. It's just like I outgrew the capabilities and what I wanted from their reporting. And I think it's okay to be ready to outgrow stuff. I don't think I don't think anybody no. can just like start with one thing and stay in it forever. I I think potentially there's someone who would start in studio and just go, I don't like this. So I want something different. Well, if I just started it myself and didn't have a bookkeeper who specializes in it, no, I would not have understood it. I would have fucked it up big time. And some um, of them charge like a minimum of $500 a month, which is not possible. You can't sustain that not, for some people. You could find one that just does on demand. Um, Maybe. That's what I had before. And that did not work for me because I just <laughs> you need a I need little somebody more. to yell at me about like when they what they need and when they need yeah. it. I can't be the one driving the bookkeeping train, but some people can. You can I did have I think that's one thing that did help is knowing a little bit like coming from my finance and banking background, like the idea of reconciliations, charts of accounts, all that kind of stuff. Like I knew enough. I also did accounting courses in school. I mean, like, I know I, all that stuff and I knew all that stuff. I just won't you need someone to help you get through do it. it. <laughs> I just won't do it. <laughs> and then be that the banker and me will never die. It's just it's the end of the month. Time to clean all that up. Like your yeah. entries have to be good. And so that stuff sticks around. But if I had, if I did say, I don't really mind how I started without having a bank account first for those first two projects because it was just income for me, you know, and I reported it, like I did everything on the and up they and were up. Side, like, still side gigs, actually. They were still small things. Yeah. And so what I would say is a good thing was I am I did have someone to help me with bookkeeping in QuickBooks as soon as I set it up. Like I knew right away, I like reached out to an extended network of friends and some of them were some some of them still operate their own bookkeeping companies. And I had one of them in right away and he came in quarterly because I really wasn't moving a ton of volume. Like he had access to my QuickBooks. He would log in, check stuff kind of monthly, and then we'd go over a little bit more on a quarterly call because it was just time billing when I first started. So it wasn't, again, like the complexity wasn't there yet. I think my official advice is to really, if you have clear goals and you know 
that you're going to get into selling furniture and that's what you're trying to sell. Maybe your first couple of jobs don't have that because you don't get the clients that are buying it. But you know yeah. you want to move into that. I would build a little bit of an infrastructure because it's not that... I mean, my studio designer is $70 a month. Which, if you sell one piece of furniture, you're more than paying for that. You're covered. Yeah. And a small piece of furniture. And finding a bookkeeper that knows the software enough to just even just to work on demand. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're making too small, I think you're creating too small of a kind of structure. Like you're going to bust out of it and then it's harder to... Then you have to undo stuff and then learn the new thing. Yeah. the It's always like going... It's it's like what they say about almost everything is get more than you think you need because you're already, you're already going to outgrow it. So it's like when your mom would buy you shoes when you were a kid. She's like, well, you're right. going to buy a size bigger because you're going to grow in two weeks. So like... Still do it. Same problem. Like I'm still going to outgrow almost any system. So being okay with that. You're going to outgrow it too. And it's a little bit of like my growth mindset. Like just assume you're going to, I mean, don't go crazy. Like I'm not, we're not out here suggesting that you find a $1,500 a month program that you have to (laughs) upgrade. You don't have to start with that. Um, But if you start with something too rinky dink, but you know you want to build a bigger business, then you're it's going to keep you rinky dink because you don't know how to take on bigger jobs. Where studios just built to where oh I know once you, do a you learn it, project or you could do a three yeah. figure project like yes, <laughs> and it's very very easy and clear. Also, to, if I as a person when I was coming into selling furniture, it's very easy to see. Here, there's the column of what I'm paying. Here's the column of what I'm charging. Here's my profit percent. Like it shows it to yeah, you. Yeah, here's my sales tax. Instead of me like doing calculator math for every single item. Yeah. Uh, that Okay, so now that we're talking about that, that's probably... That's not probably. It's one thing that I wish if I had to tell another designer to go back and do it differently. It For me, it was implementing profit first standards does make a very big difference in the way you manage yourself financially as a company. Like having separate account for like your sales tax withholding and for your like client project money, like your furnishing money, like not letting that mingle in with your operating account, you know, where you're paying your software fees or things. Just being able to make the buckets, like I'm really oversimplifying profit first as a mentality, but it's that idea of go ahead and separate the things, even if the buckets don't have very much money in them, keep them separate. So that way you can see, this is what my business is running off of. This is money I'm holding for client purchases or retainers or whatever. And this is money that I owe to like the state or the government. It's not mine. Like, yeah. yeah. Just keep it separate. Yeah, I've did that pretty early on too because it's too scary. I mean, a bookkeeper, all the bookkeepers are going to be like, it doesn't matter. Just put it in one pot. We figured it out in the soft. Like we... It matters. 100% it matters. It helps for sure. Even just the visual cue of recognizing this is what I have and what's what I'm responsible for that. I think that makes a huge difference. And I would argue back to that bookkeeper when they are reconciling, they know the only things that come out of my furnishing account are furniture purchases for client yes. projects. All my like my lunch 
that I might swipe on my card does not come out of there. It's only in my ops. Like my gas is only in the operating. Yeah, that that does help because it makes it fast if you're knowing that, oh, we need to find this purchase. There's something that wasn't documented, right? Then you can say, well, it's only going to be on that account. So it's only that card or that account that you need to look at. And that's... I do the same thing. Like my Platinum Amex is for my client purchases. And then I have I have another... I have another card through Wells Fargo because that's where I have a lot of my stuff. And it's that's just for like business. But you know, if there's like a recurring charge going through there, that's not on the bank account side and it's just through a card. Okay. That's one thing too, I will say banks. That's the other thing I fucked around and found out about. Oh, God. Is I think I went through three banks and I've always been, well, you and I, we both, I think, use USAA. Well, maybe yeah. you don't for your, oh you don't for your banking. I do it for my banking not, too. Not for business. But they don't do well. They don't do business accounts. So, but I've always been like a credit union girl. I just like it. I had bad experiences with big banks like early on, and so I tried to do the credit union route, and it just did not work for me. So this is not fully a PSA, but. I will say going with a bigger bank that can do sell, it can do all the things on the app and connect. And I don't have to have these workarounds and these wait three days for a transfer or wait 14 days for a check to clear. God damn it. So that's the (laughs) downside of the smaller organization, but more service and like more personalized care usually. But the resources that. that we need to operate on, no way. Like, I need I literally fast ap- and easy. <laughs> and I know I re- this is one thing I will say like I recognize the the ability of like for me knowing ha- really having an intimate understanding of the banking industry that it was easy for me to set all that up and do that. It's really not as scary as it sounds though. I'm I'm not saying the service will be great at major banks, but it the the acts in and of themselves once they're set up is pretty pretty easy to take care of. I don't need service because they just everything's just on there website or app. Yeah. And I would say like I immediately knew and I'm in in a privileged position to be able to say that I like I understood my credit. I understood what I was doing. This was one thing that I did when I first started is I knew that I wanted to start getting points for doing stuff. So I did set up a business credit card, Mm -hmm. which sort of becomes a necessity when you're starting to do client purchases is that you need something you know, because you're not just going to be like using your debit card for everything and having a business credit card helps. Most companies are going to require you to be the personal guarantor of those cards because your business itself doesn't have any credibility yet. So that certainly helps to be able to have that. And then you just slowly build up your limit over time as you, as you manage it. I like the idea of picking one and sticking with it as long as you can because of the rewards. Like they do really start to pay off for themselves. So I do think I would advise that to someone who's new is pick something and stick with it. That's probably the trend that we're touching on a few times is like stick with one software, stick with one bank, stick with one bookkeeping. Like try to stay with something as long as you can. Do the best you can afford. Yeah. I mean, it's what we tell our clients to do the best that you can afford and try to think a little bit bigger than you might be without over-investing. But yeah, things like banks, like I, that was just me being kind of stubborn. Like I'm with Bank of America now Uh and it's just a lot easier. My 
bookkeepers can access it. There's just a lot of things that couldn't happen. And it was yes. just like, ended up being just clunkier. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Yeah. Hey, hotties, we're taking a break to talk to you about Moe's Home Collection. Look to Moe's for their full line of furniture and home decor that will give your projects that perfect blend of relaxed and modern vibes. And the in-house design team at Moe's has created elevated and design-forward creations from across the globe. As designers, we appreciate that they focus on quality while bringing unique and new styles that infuse life to our projects. The Moe's website also makes our lives easier as designers with high-quality product photography and up-to-date online inventory so you can source quickly. Moe's is a no-brainer to help your business grow with no order minimums and their low freight costs. And you can expect something new at each market where they introduce more than 300 new products. So be sure to visit their showrooms in Las Vegas and High Point. Great news. Podcast listeners can save an extra 10% off their purchase using code HYDC10 at checkout. So register for your account at moeshomecollection.com today. Uh, let's talk about how you got your first clients. Like you, you said you had a website. I didn't even have a website. So mine was just like word of mouth and my Instagram. And then people were like DMing me because I didn't I had a contact page, but it was really like, send me an email. So I had a few of those early. And I'm not yeah. saying they were great, but I did get some small. Most of those were what I would call now like, design only or e-design type of stuff, which kind of makes sense. I didn't even have anything photographed. No. I mean, I started... And if you go back to early episodes, like One Room Challenge, we probably talked about this a lot. Like I started with my own house as my quote-unquote portfolio and putting myself out there via One Room Challenge as a person and my work and the way my thought process worked with design. So that was a big push myself out on the stage, quote unquote, kind of move. And so I got clients through that. And a lot of just my network, like I just was pretty active in the community prior to that in my old life and not anymore. But, and I had a lot of friends or like acquaintances that supported me by have asking for help on some of the projects were smaller but it was still them trying to support me for things they maybe could have tried to figure out themselves so yeah. i mean i did i said yes to everything really and definitely didn't say yes to everything but i said yes to a lot <laughs> i mean i don't think i had anything i mean there are things now that i have created service boundaries around i'm not just going to do like you were saying your first project with the room by room thing. I would have done that too. And now there's like designer on call. Sure. You buy 10 hours and you can click the link and set up an appointment. And that's how I would do that now. Yeah. Um, Consultation-based work could have been a lot of those early projects. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And I was like helping friends find little bath mat rugs for their bathrooms. Okay, we're not doing this. You don't like that one because it's $75. For what Um, it's worth, related to that, I'm going to say, if it's something you don't want to do, the fastest way to make it stop is just keep raising the rate because it stops when people are like, okay, this doesn't make sense. I think I naturally did that. 
yeah, it doesn't make sense to do that. Because I can remember being in that tire kicker phase or the phase where people were like, well, I'm only spending $40. So I'll ask you to keep doing this. And you're just like, yeah, but I don't want to keep doing that for that price. So I definitely think that like you're saying is have a defined scope, know what your out strategy is. Also, the I don't know how to explain this, but it's that idea that like you keep putting all your hopes on stuff when you're first starting of this is the project that'll do it or this could be really great. It's all lies. I don't very rarely is that first project that you have all your hopes in that you could maybe get pictures of. Very rarely is it going to be the biggest best project that really sets you on the map. I mean, you kind of hope that it's not because then you're going to make some mistakes and you don't want that to be your legacy. I'd rather have... What you're known for? Yeah, or like a bigger fall, further to fall, like your exposure is higher on those early... In those early days. So, I mean, I think smaller... Unless you have experience because you've been in the industry or you've worked in your own firm and you have processes because you've inherited them. Okay, that's different. But when you're really like fumbling around and have never worked in a firm before and you don't know how A gets to Z necessarily, I think the smaller projects are great to learn on. And I know we've talked about this a little bit just maybe offline of working with friends or not. I've always kind of worked with friends. And I now, they're usually of, smaller projects, but before I, I say have this a way loud, of doing that. I have to think about this before I say this out loud. So let me just glance. Yep. Okay. Literally, none of the projects I've done for friends are on my website. And some, there were a few that were, actually there's one. I take that back. There's one. None of the other stuff is still out there. And I've deleted a ton of stuff over the years. Like I've deleted things that I'm like, nope, this doesn't serve my current clientele or the style is so massively different that it's... it's, I think there's a limit having stuff from... What do you mean? But your first two projects were with friends and they gave you the... They were stepping stones to... Yeah, of course. I wouldn't expect... Yeah, you... We've done this before. What is it called? Time hop or something? The website oh, one? Um, like you go back and look at Amber Interiors from like 2010. Time, time hop? No. Web capsule. Time capsule? Way back. Wait. It's way back. That's what it's called. It's way called the Wayback Machine. It's wayback.archive.org. And you can type in a website and then you can look at it's like Google Street View, but you can go back in time on their website and see what stuff looked like. And it's wild. People are out there scrubbing the internet too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're working really hard to get rid of their their past. But I think that it's good to think back on how this is iterative and nothing is final. And that one project that you think is going to be the thing is... It's probably not. Relieve yourself of some pressure. It's... I've taken me some time. But yeah, when you've only done like four projects, the fifth one feels, oh my God, this is it. And then you have to remember, oh, eventually I'm going to be like, you know... 30 projects in and I'm not even going to be thinking about project number four anymore. And evolving so, into your style. I, Heidi Collier's interview with Dennis Scully, she talked a lot about that. I thought she was really kind of open and candid about it. Yeah. Um, and you do look at her early projects and you're like, oh yeah, she had way more light, bright California, not yeah. boho, but like kind of mid-century adjacent stuff that was going yes. on in the early 2010s that 
like, okay, style, clientele, like it all evolves. And hers yeah. evolved when she moved to the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah, that's a good one. We'll link to that one because that one was a good interview. I liked that one a lot. Um, I, I don't know. What do I feel like I did right, right looking back at it? I, I don't know that I regret the small projects or the small things or whatever, but I can remember being like pretty good about not taking on too much, which in the early days, you don't have a whole lot. And I feel like I was good about not letting myself get too overwhelmed because yeah, you could say yes to everything and then you're suddenly like exhausted. And I, I remember purposefully being like, oh, I can do, I can look at that in another week or I'll come back to that and being really careful with my time. But I think that was also the product of like, I still had other obligations. I still had the internship. I still had my senior year of school. So I like had these forced protectors on my time. Yeah. That meant I knew I don't have any, I don't have anywhere else to go with that energy. So I think that helped a lot. Um, and I wish I had had more of that. Even up till now, I wish I had better protection of my time to cover more. I'm always feeling like I, I let myself say yes to a lot of things. But that's also because I'm now in a place where I really depend on my business and my revenue and failure is not an option. Like I need, I need it. And in the beginning, I didn't. I was still living off that banking exit strategy nest egg. And not really having to put like all my hopes in one place. So I I don't know. I think it's okay to start it while you're still doing other things. I don't think you have to be like all in, if that makes sense. I think you're right. I do think there are things like what I think I did right. There's a lot I didn't. But what I think I did right is I almost cosplayed a business owner. Like... <laughs> I want to play designer. Yeah, my little business cards. I mean, I'm not saying don't. You probably don't need business cards today, but I did make myself a little logo. I did have a little bit of a website. I had my domain email. I had a bank account. There were things that... But that was almost to prop me up and make me feel more legit to myself even. That was and your like, credibility building. Yeah. So like, I could sell yeah. that this is actually a business. And talking about it on Instagram about... I mean, I did it better then than I do now. <laughs> I think it did help feel more legitimate. And okay, I have to keep figuring it out and things are going to keep coming to me because I'm opening yeah. myself up to them. Yeah. I think that... So I would like get, get the domain even if you don't have a website built out and it's just a contact page. Please do that. Do not have a Hotmail account for your email. <laughs> We've said this before but I think it's been a while. I mean, credibility Please. building is a big thing whether it's by way of what you're saying through sort of like the infrastructure of it all but also having had some like you and I both have design related education and backgrounds. So it doesn't have to be that. It's just the idea of you've got to get some credibility out there somehow, even if it is you're, you're blogging and creating mood boards and showing people what you can do. Like you have to produce something. Otherwise, people don't know. It's just like taking a really big leap of faith for a client. So some form of credibility building is 100% essential. 
Yeah. And I think there's so many entry points to design because it encompasses so many trades and expertises. So whether it's banking and accounting like you came with or marketing graphic design like I came with, a lot of us and probably listeners are coming from other backgrounds, like just harness those strengths and use those to position yourself and kind of prop Mm -hmm. yourself up to yourself and to clients, potential clients, and then start keep building and improving your weak spots (laughs) as you go with education or third parties or other help. Yes. Because I would say, how many of your initial presentations do you feel like you hit it out of the park the first meeting? Most of them I did okay. That's not an out of the park. <laughs> like that sounds like a second base or a third base. <laughs> like home runs? Mm, home run, maybe not home run, but like third base, probably most of them. There's only a couple Good. that were I was it was just like not jiving, I think. But I think also those projects had fairly lower expectations. <laughs> Do you remember on Mad TV, they had a segment called Lowered Expectations and it was like a recorded (laughs) video dating channel. (laughs) And the saying was, they had a little jingle and it was called Lowered Expectations. And they would be set with a beach sunset and they'd be like, I'm Susan and I'm looking for... (laughs) (laughs) Basically that. But well, just because we're not spending thousands and they weren't spending thousands and thousands of dollars with me. So... And on the opposite, there are designers who describe the same problem, but with people who are thinking they're purchasing a, a Mercedes Benz, but they're paying yeah. for a, pin, a Ford Pinto. Right. And they just go crazy. So I feel like I got most of my presentations and the ones that I didn't were like where we were really far apart on. Again, you're showing yeah. me a $10,000 thing and you're giving me $500. So. I can't, their look for less can only stretch so far. And so it wasn't necessarily what I was showing. It was like the disconnect in expectations and having to be able to work through through those revisions and understand when to tell people that a unicorn doesn't exist. That I think is really powerful. And I wish that I, I think that I, I would want that for more people now to be able to start with understanding more of what things cost is really valuable and being able to tell that to people. I mean, I really wish I had that furnishing budget calculator. It's in the shop and it's kind of a game changer and it does that clarifying we're talking about. If I'd had that early on, I think I could have sold more more furniture. Um, Yeah. Because it's so much faster to put a budget together. Even design only, let me only show you what you're going to actually be able to buy and finish the room with. Yeah. And at that time, even if I even if you weren't buying furniture yourself, you're at least getting with it, you're getting an idea of what things will cost if you don't have that expertise yet from experience. Yeah. And I've had a few all people real pricing. I've had a few people opt out, which is what I've wanted. Like I've done a discovery call. I'm like, you know, I don't know if we're really there, but let me send you this. And I want you to take a look at it. And if you think that this is where you're headed, great. Then book the consult after you've done that. And I've had two people I can think of offhand who 
one emailed me back and she said, you know, I think you're right. I'm not really in a place for that right now. And I was like, great. Well, if you think I can help you with other stuff, you're more than welcome to book some virtual consultations with me. And that was the, the, the pandemic of it all forced me to set those up and do that. But I think that's really helped a lot for people to be able to see how far like the tire kicking of it all has gotten easier because we've now implemented a lot of tools like that. And also the investment guide, I feel like is like one of the major things that actually got me to get you had- better calls with people and better project scopes identified. Yeah. And if as a newbie, you had an investment guide and no website, like you could go pretty far. Like maybe you still mm-hmm. want a landing page on your domain that is maybe Good it's a here. click this to get the investment guide or fill this form out. There's different ways you can do it. And we actually talk about it in our like in the workflow stuff. But I think you could put a lot in there and keep changing it very easily. <laughs> so yeah, without like having every, to redo a website constantly. Yeah, yeah every time that's you true. get a new project, you can have a different number on your investment guide. I mean, don't do that. But but you can. I mean, could. yeah. You're just going to have to honor old pricing if somebody saw it last week or whatever, but yeah. Um, it's yeah. hard cuz you pr- you pretty much start from scratch. Like you can't unless like a, your past designer that you worked for or someone allows you to to use their photos and credit, which I think is also like an intellectual property mess. I don't see how you can even if you have a past portfolio of work without explicit permission from somebody, it's really hard to share that stuff in like an open platform, like on a website. I would bet that you could maybe, maybe you could share it in a private drive or something if you've done password. Yeah, or like a password could, protected link. Yeah, like I can't share this publicly, but this is work that I've done for, you know, when I worked for other designers or this is, maybe you have friends who don't want you posting their house publicly or you don't want, you didn't you didn't pay for professional photos but you have some i feel like it would probably not be bad if you had something private to share that showed some credibility to people that, that'd probably be okay and that's reminding me the other thing that i did in that vein so if you have no portfolio work and you're like what the hell am i going to put on these i did do what you're saying like i made little mood boards or little design plans with outlined furniture, you know, like a sofa, yeah. rug, like creating little spaces, more of like, it's almost like what their finished product was for the client mm-hmm. deliverable, but I made it and I put it on my marketing materials and proposals before I had anything. And honestly, that's what clients want to know, like what they're actually getting. So you just kind of spin it. So here's a they're more deliverable examples instead of past work examples. Yeah. But it's still your work. It's going to take a lot of time to build to that. But I feel like those are things that make sort of like the make it up projects if you have to, just to show that you have the skill to put a floor plan together or put mood boards, spec sheets, that kind of stuff. Anything that really helps show them that they're going to get a professional product, even if it's like, matches to the dollar amount they're investing. I think that's yeah, totally okay. Yeah, and that okay. you're problem solving and have ideas to meet their solutions they need. I mean, I think ultimately, I know the... What was it that they used to say? Point, 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 and you never shoot. There's a lot of people preparing and over-preparing and not actually getting off the gun, off the, <laughs> off the, off the pot. Like, Shitter. <laughs> yeah. 
I think my main advice really is just know you can and will iterate. So mm-hmm. do the best to get the most things together that you feel like confident selling something, but just you're never going to have all the information up front. No. You're never going to be able to avoid red flags 100%. You're not mm-hmm. going to know any of that stuff because my red flag isn't your red flag or some overlap, but it's not always the same. It is, yeah, always different. Always. You have to kind of experience it like, oh God. <laughs> like you're not, I'm, you won't take a client that has to manually, you have to manually do everything. Like if they can't do online booking, like I, you've said before, like that's not your That's not going to work. Client, it just no. doesn't, it won't work with my process. I'm sure there are nice people and there's other people that would be great for them to work with. But come on, we, we got to be able to do e-signature. I need you to use online payments. I I cannot be I waiting mean, for checks too, to get mailed back and forth or whatever. And also, I'm not coming by your house to pick up a check. I don't want to do that unless it's like a whole lot of furniture. I I really just yeah, let's be figure this out. Six. Yeah, but I'm not picking up like a you know a twelve hundred dollar invoice payment. Come on, we just got to get this stuff together. Right. So that's like when we talk about red flags or if you're in design groups hearing about red flags, that's not a red flag. That's like a, this doesn't work with your process and you need to know, you have to just be in it to know if that works or not for you as an example. And there's stuff that we said yes to in the past that we would not say yes to right now. And that's totally okay. That should keep evolving. That, well, what I say, yeah, what I say yes today isn't going to be what I say yes to in two years, I hope. (laughs) <laughs> I hope oh. I mean yeah it'll be totally different it'll be on that new build game or something crazy oh, God. <laughs> you don't know I honestly don't know. I wouldn't know now it's really great to have like hindsight to look back at things because I never would I have said I'm gonna have a podcast or be on design panels never would I I would not have said that like past never me would, would have I have said, said you're gonna be on a Pot, you're gonna have a podcast with some random chick in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know this woman that's a doing mom. the one room challenge while you're doing it. You guys are going to be business partners and best friends, and you're gonna visit. You are go going to, Sacramento to fly to Sacramento. More than you go anywhere else yeah. in the country. I literally fly more to Sacramento than I have gone anywhere else in the last three, four years. And never would I have said, oh, I can't wait to go on a weekend trip to Sacramento. But I really do. Or North Carolina. Or North Carolina. Oh my God. Yeah. And I have family in North Carolina that I have never gone to see when we go there. But yeah, it's wild. Like the things that we open ourselves up to. So for the, for the newbies that are listening and you haven't done it there, I'm not saying it's all, you know, sunshine and rainbows on this side, but I think that there's a lot that we don't even know to be open to yet. So. Leave yourself some space for the unknown. It's okay not to have everything like perfectly planned. Sometimes the best stuff comes from those things that's not perfectly organized and ready. Like it's okay. Well, you're not going to have anything if you don't start. Like you just really do have to begin. Yeah. So it's a good. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for all of you that are making some changes in your life in one way or another, whether it's graduating from school or taking the leap into business ownership. It's very exciting. that firm that you you know you don't want to be at forever, whatever it is. And if you're 
if you're not scared, like something's wrong, like that's the normal. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, when normal. You feel, when you feel comfortable, that means it's time to go. It's time yeah. to do something different when you feel too comfortable. And if it doesn't feel scary, then it's not the right thing to do. What did you say on Devil Wears Prada? Like when your life's about to blow up and it's time to ask for a promotion? Yeah, like when, when everything around you is imploding kind of thing. Yep. Thanks, Stanley Tucci, for whatever that obscure <laughs> oh. quote was. We appreciate it. Okay, well, so like keep it. us posted if you're out there doing some new stuff. If you're fighting for survival, fighting for your lives. We're here for you. We'll catch you either in in our DMs or on the Patreon. And until next time, stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 